So we're going through the series as a church. And last week, uh, we started it, and, and if you heard the sermon this morning, if you sat in the worship service, some of you do that, some of you uh, don't, you just come to one service, your parents sit in, you go upstairs, um, whatever that looks like, uh, then you heard, but if you sat in the service, you heard Pastor Heath uh, preach um, on an all-in topic, and that was Pastor Heath, by the way, if you don't know what he looks like, that's the guy, uh, and he's the head pastor here. And, and he used similar passages to what I preached on last week, um, because we are a week ahead in this all-in series, um, a- ahead of the adults. And so next Sunday, this coming Sunday, you'll hear Pastor Heath preach on a very similar passage to what I'm going to talk to you all about tonight. Um, but, but we are a week ahead, and so we get to kind of experience this a little bit ahead of time. And the reason why, the re- it's not sh- uh, an accident or, or we just didn't know what to do, so we just went ahead and jumped into it while they were doing something else. No, it was, it was strategic. It was on purpose. Because what I believe and, and what, I, what I know to be true is that by your um, desire to be all in on what God is doing in your life and in your heart, you will inspire the rest of the church. You will inspire the adults and family members in your life. You will inspire grandparents, you will inspire neighbors, you will inspire teachers. If you decide to say, man, I want to be about what God is about, and I want to line up with what God is doing, then I promise you will become, not by your own power, but by how God is working in you through your commitment and inspiration to those around you. And so... There's a, there's a lot there. I told you all that this last week. That there's kind of a lot that rides on you. That no, you, they're not dependent on you. But what you do will absolutely have an effect. That it is a lie to believe because I'm a teenager, because I'm a high schooler, that I'm kind of useless or that I have no value or no influence on the older generations. That's absolutely a lie. That you actually have a lot of influence on them. And so last week I told you, and I invited you just to pray about one thing. If you weren't here, I'm going to catch you up. If you were, I'm going to remind you. I told you, I want you to pray about one thing, very simple prayer. And it simply was, God, what is my part in our relationship? And what is my part in the plan you have for me here on earth? I don't know if you ever prayed that or thought about that. I don't know if you spent this week. I hope you did. If not, you still have this coming week to pray about that. What is my part in our relationship? See, in any relationship, it's two ways that the other person has a part and you have a part. Your parents have a part and you have a part. Your friends have a part, you have a part. Your teacher has a part, you have a part. God has a part and you have a part. But it's up to God to make it clear to you, hey, here is your part in our relationship. Here is what you give in our relationship. Here is is how I, I want to know you in our relationship. And then God has a plan for your life. You need to understand that. That you're like, but I don't even believe in God. I don't care. He has a plan for your life if you choose to trust him and follow that plan. That God has a plan. He has a purpose. And it's not like a future plan. Like a lot of us, I think, in high school, it's so easy to get into that habit and that mindset of thinking, yes, when I'm an adult, yes, God has a plan for me. Yes, I will eventually be following God's plan. Yes, I will jump into God's plan, right? But after I get out of high school and college, and then I get a job, that's what I'm really going to experience, God. What is your plan for me now? That's a lie. That God has a plan for you today. You're like, well, today's almost over, but it's not. 
That he has a plan, he has a purpose for tonight. He has a purpose, you're here right now hearing that. He has a purpose for tomorrow, that he has a plan for you. Yeah, it may look a lot like some other people on the outside, that you're going to the same school, taking the same classes, same homework, but what's different is the relationships that surrounded you. What's different is the experiences that you've gotten to to live and, and, and have. That he has a plan for you in this moment, in this right now, if you choose to trust him. I believe that, and that's what we're trying to communicate with this series a little bit, is that when you choose to trust him and say, God, I want to know that, I'm going to jump all in on that. That's what that all in means. God, I want to be all in on your plans for my life. But the other side of that is, man, I, I want to be all in on what God is doing here in this River Oak family. And what you need to understand is whether this is your first time here and you came in and filled out a guest card, or even if you came in and you didn't fill out a guest card, or this is your hundredth time here, is that I consider you a part of this family. That I don't consider the friend you came with a part of the family and you're just that friend that they brought. Like you are more than welcome to come without that friend. Like you are a part of this family. That like God has a plan for you and had a plan for you to be here tonight. That's huge. For me, that's comforting. Knowing God is involved in every moment, every minute, every second, every day. He says, man, I got a plan for you. Do you trust me in this moment? Do you trust me in this time to experience what I have for you? That he has a plan for you. And so the question is, and I formally invited y'all last week, and I'm going to just extend that invitation into tonight, is do you want to be a part of, of what, it would be, a, be all in on what God has for you? Like, I'm formally inviting you not only to say, hey, I want to be all in on what God has for me individually, but also I want to be all in on what this church is doing. My church family is choosing to do it and where God is leading them. Because what it's going to take is y'all being an inspiration to the rest of the church, saying, man, I am all in, and if I can be all in, then you can be all in. If me with school every day and a part-time job and bills to pay and stresses of school and learning how to grow into an adult can be all in on what God is doing, then you, as adults, can absolutely do it. And you get to be an inspiration to that. But that comes through one way. I want you to understand that I think part of your part is understanding you have to have your priorities straight for that to happen. That if your priorities are out of whack, then the way you follow Jesus will be out of whack. That the things that, that you care about, that you prioritize in life, if they don't line up with what God is calling from you and who he's calling you to be, it's going to be really hard to follow Jesus and chase those priorities. And so we've got to consider, and this is what I'm going to ask you to do tonight, is to consider your priorities. Here's a good way. Here's a good way to figure out what your priorities are. For some of you, like, well, that's kind of difficult. Like, I got to go to school and I got to do whatever and da 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 da. But here's two ways you can you can do it. Look at how you spend your money, and look at how you spend your time. You look at your wallet and your calendar. If you're talking to old people, you'd say your checkbook and your calendar. Where do you spend your money? And how do you spend your time? You spend my money on Starbucks every day with my friends hanging out. Why? Why 
why? What does that bring you? Why do you do that? Well, because I enjoy the friendship. But what do you receive from that friendship? And now you're addicted to caffeine also. So that's a bummer. <laughs> so am I. It's okay. Where do you spend your time? Is that Netflix? YouTube? Xbox? Cell phone? Girlfriend's house? Boyfriend's house? You look at where you spend your money and where you spend your time, you find your priorities. I want you to get that real clear. That's all I'm trying to do right now. Let's just make that real clear to you. Where you spend your money, where you spend your time is where your priorities will be. That some of you, it's like, man, it's only on schoolwork. I'm telling you, you can spend too much time on schoolwork. Don't tell your parents I said that, but you absolutely can. I think about it, you like, some of you are like, man, I don't even have a job that my job, my parents say, is school, and so they, you get an allowance, or maybe you do like a little bit of extra work on the side, and so you get a little bit of money, maybe you babysit, maybe you do have a part-time job, and you get a little bit of extra money. Here's what I'm going to bet you spend it on. The same thing that I spend my money on, which is myself. And then you get a little bit of extra time. I'm going to bet you spend that on the same thing that I spend my time on, which is myself. That it's a natural thing for us to do, to spend our money and our time on ourselves. But sometimes those priorities do not line up with what God is calling from us. This is the same conversation in just a manner of different words that Haggai had, this prophet had with Israel. You didn't even know, but there's a book, most of you, that there's a book called Haggai, or Haggai, or something with an H. And it's in the Old Testament, it's like two-thirds through your Old Testament. And what had happened was, these people had begin to build, began to build the temple for the Lord. And they began to build, and they built the foundation, and people were celebrating, they were happy, and then opposition came, and then things that took up their time came, and then distraction came. For a lot of you, you began to follow Jesus, and then things took a turn for the worse. Maybe your parents split up, maybe you uh, got rejected at school, maybe you got injured and couldn't participate, maybe your homework took over your life and has become an idol for you. I don't know what it is for you. But what is normal for man is that distractions happen. And so distractions happen, and these people stopped building the temple. Their priorities changed. And so then the Lord spoke to Haggai and said, hey, I need you to go back and speak to these people, and I need you to communicate my heart to them. And so this is what he said. Check this out. This is 2 through 7. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild, my house, to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai to the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Have you sown much and harvested little? You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. He said, Here's what they say. Here's what they say. It's that first sentence. The time to rebuild the temple hasn't come yet. 
And the Lord said back, you say it's not time to build the temple, but you yourselves are building paneled houses. Paneled houses, like I, I, my wife and I were talking about, I was like, man, that sounds like a kind of, like, you don't want to live in a paneled house, like that sounds cheap. But that's the way the kings built their houses in that day. They built paneled houses if you were royalty, if you were a king. He says, you don't want to build my temple. You say it's not the right time. It's not the right place. That there's too much persecution. There's too much distraction. My finances are too bad. The money I make, I just got to spend it on gas, and I got to spend it on food, and I got to spend it on whatever, and I can't help out there. He says, but yet, you treat yourself like a king. But yet the money you get goes to you. The time you get goes to you. And so he just says one thing. He doesn't say you evil people. He doesn't say you terrible humans. He just says, I want you to consider your ways. I want you to step back for a minute, and I want you to consider how you're spending your time. He says, because you're putting money, you need to realize, into a pocket with a hole in it. That you're drinking and you're never fulfilling your thirst. You're eating and you're still hungry. You're working and you're never receiving the reward for your work. The things you are doing are not satisfying the way that they promise. He says, so I want you to consider your ways. That when your priorities don't line up with God's priorities... For your life, he says, you'll always be unsatisfied. When you search out things that only God was designed to fulfill, you'll always be unsatisfied. He tells him, he says, man, you are continual thirsty. You're continually working and not receiving. You're continually hungry. You're continually putting on clothes, but yet you remain cold. Because you have forsaken my plan for you. And instead you've chosen to try to treat yourself like royalty. I'm going to be honest with you. I stood, I didn't stand. I sat in my office about 3 p.m. today. Thinking through this message. Just feeling the most conviction. Like I'm honestly, I'm going to be, I'm dead honest with you right now. Like I'm kind of scared to begin to pray through this and to begin to open up my heart and my, my mind and say, God, okay, what do you want from me? God, what does it mean for me to be all in? Because I'm real, because what I know is that I'm a selfish person and you can tell my wife every, and you're going to need to do this with your, your husband and your wife when you're later in life. You're going to want to do one thing. It's going to be a lifesaver. Is everyone listening right now? Can I get a yes? Yeah, okay, that was like three people. Thank you. You three, okay, that are listening. Can I get a yes? Y'all listening right now? Yes. Oh my, did I kick your dog? Did I just kick some... Okay, literally this is how it sounded. You ready? Here's my perspective. Yes. Like, did I just ask you to wake up at 6 a.m.? Am I your mother? Okay. Here's what you need to do. You need to learn to budget. 
My wife and I try to do this um, at the beginning, in the middle of every month. I get paid, we sit down, we say, what are we going to spend our money on? Every dollar that we earn, where is it going to go? Some of it goes to our pocket, do we just get to spend a little bit of it? Some of it goes to gas and bills and insurances and all sorts of things and house payments and da 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 And every dollar is accounted for, every dollar, every single one. You need to do it, otherwise you're going to realize that your pocket has a hole in it. And you'd be like, man, where's my money? And I can tell you this, every time we do it, I, like, I have like an alternate ego that comes out and I become like the most like angry tightwad ever. Where I'm just so frustrated. Because I'm looking, I'm just gripping my money. Like, no, I don't want to spend it on things. And I get so frustrated. And so I'm going to be honest with you. And I, and I really want you to, to know this is a, a moment of vulnerability for me. That I am absolutely scared to say, God, how do you want me to spend my money on this church? Because I, I know it's going to mean sacrifice. I know it means I'm going to have to give up something. See, if you weren't here last week, not only are we talking about what does it mean for you to be all in, individually, but it also, we're talking about, man, what does it mean to be all in as a church family? Because right out there in that grass field, we are looking to build and feeling led to build a worship center, a place where people can come and they can worship place where people can come and they can worship in a place right here where this becomes a youth center where you have the friends that you invited tonight that said no I don't feel comfortable no I don't got time no I don't don't know I don't want to go where you can say man no this place was designed for you this place was designed for teenagers who are going through struggles like you're going through who are dealing with life like you're dealing with who are learning to live like we are learning to live that this was designed for you that it doesn't have to be this transitional room that goes from adult worship center to nighttime youth room right like it it can be awesome and so we're not only being called to, to go all in individually, what does that look like you, for, for you and the Lord, but also what does it look like you, for you to say, man, I'm going to go all in on this place, in this place. And God, I'm going to allow you to, to realign my priorities around your priorities. He says, man, consider your ways. This is a response. <clears throat> This is a response. Then Zerubbabel, the son of blah, blah, and Joshua, the son of the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. So you need to understand Zerubbabel and Joshua. Zerubbabel is like the governor, and Joshua is like the head pastor of the area. Like he is the top guy of the area. It said, them and all the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. It's not like, man, they weren't scared. It was like a healthy respect of God. Then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke to the people and the Lord's, with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up in the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of that other guy, and governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of his daddy, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the lords of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month of the second year of Darius the king. That was like some weird date, right? It was like a September 15th or something, according to their calendar. 
But if you read that whole chapter, Haggai chapter 1, it took them three and a half weeks to realize they're wrong in their priorities, to consider their ways, and then to say, God, we want to be about what you're about. We want you to align our priorities and our times that we spend and our expenses that we spend around what you want to spend us to spend our time on and what you want us to spend our money on. And God said, man, and I'm with you in that. How comforting is that? God said, man, I'm with you. I'm with you. What I love is that even if our priorities are messed up, is that Jesus doesn't leave us. That I think we stop seeing God move in our life and we stop hearing God move in our life some because we're not listening and we're not looking and we're not doing the things of God. But he hasn't left us. But reassuring them, they said, man, no, we want to align our priorities. We want to do the things you're doing, and we want to listen to the things you're saying, and we want to be the people you're calling us to be. And he says, man, and I'm with you in that. I'm with you in that. I love that. In Luke 12, verse 31 through 34, Jesus is ending this parable about money. And if you're in the service this morning, you heard Heath read it. And the very end of it is is really cool. And it's just the promise of Jesus. And he's telling his people, New Testament believers, that I believe if Jesus stood up here, I want to see your eyes right here. If Jesus stood up here right now in this moment, he would look at you and he would say the exact same thing. See, these people were searching money and they were searching their own priorities and their own things and whatever it is in our life that we would be sitting in the crowd listening to Jesus thinking, man, here is what is most valuable to me. Here is the thing that I find my identity in. Here is the thing that I feel like I I really need in life. That's what he says. Instead of seeking that thing, seek his kingdom. The Lord's kingdom. And these things that you are seeking will be added to you. He's not saying that the physical things that you you are desiring are going to be added to you. He's saying the root of those physical things will be added to you. That the thing that you are searching for for value you'll find value. And the thing you're searching for, for identity, you'll find identity. And the thing you're searching for to give you peace, he says, I will provide you peace. And the thing you're searching for when your life is chaotic for stability, he says, man, I will give you stability. I will give you the root of those things. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we start to align our priorities around the things of God, even when we don't hear from God and we don't necessarily feel God, he says, man, then your heart begins to turn towards God. It is this moment where God begins to grab our heart, and then our part is we begin to turn and say, God, all right, I want to align my priorities with you. It's not only God capturing our attention, but us then responding to that. He says, man, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And so I ask you, where's your treasure? What is it that you're treasuring? I ask you to consider your ways. I'm going to invite the band up right now as we close.